I would invite you to stand for our scripture reading this morning. We're in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 25 through 35. Luke 2, and I am not in Luke. That's a problem. Here we go. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that so that, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is God's word. You may be seated. Good morning, Christ community. Uh, if you were here last night, yes, Nate and I were right here in these spots. Uh, which I got I to hand it to Nate. His entire clan is sick back home, and he's been uh, serving faithfully with us, so grateful for that. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Uh, Merry Christmas. This is actually the first time that uh, I've been at a Christmas Day Christmas service here at Christ Community, so I'm excited for that. If I haven't met you, if you're visiting us, my name is Pat. I currently serve as one of five elders uh, at the church, and it's a privilege as always to speak to you from God's Word. If you know me, you know that I love Christmas. Every July 1st, right before Independence Day, I start playing Bing Crosby's Christmas music. And I've been doing that since 2005, two years after I decided to follow Jesus. And the reason is simple. The Christmas season has become so special to me over the years. Last night, if you were with us, we paused for a brief hour and we sang songs of Christmas as we walked through the Christmas story in God's Word This morning, we're going to look at a particular song from a man whom we know very little about, a man named Simeon. In the passage that Scott just read, Simeon sings a song of praise to the newborn Savior. And one question I have for us all this morning, as we're here, is what song do you sing in your heart when you see Jesus? This morning, as we behold Christ, what is the song that your heart sings to our God. I'm going to read again verses 25 through 27. Listen to this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple... And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. 
We're going to look at this text this morning, focusing specifically on verses 29 to 32. The basic story is this. There's a man named Simeon, and the Holy Spirit told this man that he was not going to die until he had seen the Lord's Christ, which means the Lord's anointed one. And we know that Jesus is the Christ. But Simeon was waiting. He didn't know who it would be. So all of a sudden, this man is in the temple where Jesus is brought by his young parents, Mary and Joseph. And this man, Simeon, raises the baby Jesus, sings this song, which we'll look at clearly in a moment, and he blesses the parents, says a few more words, and then the scene ends. So the first question we need to ask is, who is Simeon? Well, everything that we know and will ever know about Simeon is right here in these verses. It's the first time that we've met this figure in scripture. The nation of Israel at this point in history was for the most part faithless and hypocritical. They lacked zeal for God, even if on the outside there was an appearance of zeal. But this man, Simeon, stands in stark contrast to those of Israel who had gone astray. This man trusted in the promises of God. So what do we know about him? First, he was righteous and he was devout. What Luke tells us here insinuates that this man, Simeon, was worth emulating. He took faith in following God and walking uprightly with him seriously. And though none of us, we know this, are wholly good in and of ourselves, this man was a man following after God's own heart. Second, he was waiting. Waiting for what? Well, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Well, what's the consolation? Well, in game shows, when you win the consolation prize, it's basically there to comfort you when you don't win the big jackpot. But in this case, Israel's consolation is the jackpot. It is the comforter, the Christ who would come to rescue and to bring great comfort to God's people. Isaiah records God speaking to Israel in Isaiah 66:13 when he writes this, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. And there's a note for us here as we consider Simeon's longing. This was the first coming of Christ, right? But as sure as we sit here today, we know that Christ will come again. And we, like Simeon, are in waiting. But are we waiting expectantly? This is the main reason that I love the entire Advent season leading up to Christmas Day. Because week after week after week, we're reminded that Christ came. And it is in that reminding that my own personal anticipation and longing for his second coming increases. So Israel had been waiting for this comforter for a very long time, but Simeon was given this special revelation by the Holy Spirit that he would see Israel's consolation before he died. If you just pause for a second and imagine what it was like to be Simeon. Israel was waiting for the promised Messiah, and this man a man who we have no reason to believe was anyone particularly significant other than he trusted God, he was told by God that he would be able to see the Christ before he died. I honestly just don't know what to compare that to. All of us probably want to live long enough to see our grandkids and our great-grandkids, but 
this man knew that his lungs would keep breathing until he saw the rescuer of Israel with his very own eyes. The anticipation of this meeting must have been frequently on his mind. Again, consider the return of Christ. If God gave you, sitting here, special revelation and told you, which to be clear, he will never do, but if he told you, you will not die until you see Jesus return on the clouds, what do you think that would do to every day of your life? Every day, I think, I would wonder, is this the day? Is this the day that I get to see Christ with my own eyes? So you have to wonder if Simeon, who likely was very old by this time in his life, had come to the temple before. Maybe he had wandered, he had wondered every time a child was brought into the temple if that was the one. And here, it's going to happen for Simeon finally. I know we haven't been studying Luke, but the way this meeting is presented is very much like Luke's writing style, very quick. He says, and he came in the spirit into the temple. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know that God led him there to the temple at the exact time that Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus. And this was a divine meeting. And now we get to the song. Simeon sings a prophetic song announcing the arrival of Christ. And what's the theme of the song? The theme is God's salvation. The Savior has come. Let's read verses 29 to 32. I wish... I had thought ahead of time to put this to a song and sing it to you, but I didn't. 29 says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. There's four words I want us to look at. Actually, one of them is two words, but... I want us to focus on in this song, those words are peace, salvation, all peoples, and glory. Peace, salvation, all peoples, and glory. First, peace. Jesus brings peace to Simeon. Just think about this scene. Simeon has waited for so long with constant anticipation. And here at the temple, there's nothing amazing about this child, though the angels had sung of his arrival. There was no outward appearance that suggested majesty or divinity. We don't even know what he expected, if this was even what he had in his mind. But whatever he was looking for, the Spirit of God was with him. And the Spirit of God led him to Jesus. And finally, he walks in, and from unsuspecting parents, he takes this child into his arms, and he lifts him up, And his soul sings out to God, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. At this moment, Simeon is done. He needs nothing else in this life for the one thing that he has waited for, the one thing that he has longed to see, he now holds in his arms. Listen to Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For us, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the coming Messiah as the Prince of Peace. There's something about this child that brings relief to Simeon. 
And that relief, that peace comes because truly this is the Prince of Peace. Simeon's waiting is over. So let's ask ourselves a question. What would cause you to say that? What would cause us to say that our waiting is over and we can depart in peace? All of us wait for things in this world that we hope will bring us peace. New jobs, new circumstances, social reform. The thing we struggle with, particularly in in my life, in our home, with not just our kids, but I think even with us, is the idea that the new thing that we might get will somehow bring peace. I remember three years ago, for my kids, it was the Nintendo Switch. Grandma and Grandpa generously purchased that little miracle of technology for them. And when the package was opened, and I have a video of this, there was shock on my boys' faces. There was a wonder that then turned into smiles, that then turned into a mad rush to unpackage it so that they could play. I'm not suggesting that we can't enjoy things. But let me tell you, it doesn't take long to realize that Nintendo is not in the business of selling peace. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They are in the business of selling you something that lacks just enough peace that you'll be willing to pay $300 next year to try to buy the upgraded model. Any pursuit of lasting peace in anything other than God himself is just another form of disappointing idolatry. And all of us think like this at at times. We try to purchase peace for our weary souls from some vendor in life, whether it's a new gadget or good food or ambiance or recreation or vacations. And we long for peace. But it is true that there is nothing that can actually deliver real soul-satisfying peace besides the Son of God, born as a man, the true Prince of Peace. It's significant to note that when Luke calls Simeon righteous, it means more than simply that he was a good man. It meant he was one of the few in Israel whom God declared righteous. And it's not because of the things that he had done in his life, but because of his faith in God and his promises. See, God had promised to send a rescuer. Simeon knew this. He knew that God would bring a savior from the line of David to rescue his people. He was not just waiting for his own peace, but for the peace of his people. We'll see more about that in a second. Simeon held fast to that promise in faith, and now he quite literally held fast to that promise in his very own arms, pressed up against his chest. Now that God had finally delivered on his promise to reveal the Messiah to him, to reveal God's consolation for Israel, his soul was ready to depart. Having seen the Messiah, having held him, and having declared the arrival of Israel's rescuer, this world had nothing left of value to him. He was at peace to die because he had seen the salvation of God. The short lesson for us in this is this. When you truly see Jesus, when you behold your Savior and worship him as your God, this world will have less and less hold over your life. Augustine wrote in a sermon on Simeon's song here that Simeon had seen Jesus both with his eyes and with his soul. So it is for us, when our souls are satisfied in the presence of Jesus, when we see him in the word of God and we treasure him above all things, we are free to rest in peace, both in the evening of a day and at the end of our lives.
peace. That was our first word. Salvation is the second word to hone in on in this song. Jesus is the salvation of God. Jesus is in a, he's not a salvation of God. He isn't a parcel salvation of God. Jesus is the only salvation of God. Jesus is the complete and all-sufficient Savior of God. Here in Simeon's arms was the promised Messiah. Here in his arms is the one who the angels cried out, I bring you good news of great joy. And so what does it mean that Jesus is the salvation of God? Well, that Jesus is the salvation of God means that it is through Christ and only Christ that God intends to save his people, to save them from their sin. There's no religion, there's no good works, there's no method or earthly sacrifice that can bring peace between man and God. There is only Jesus, the true salvation of God. Sin, as Scott mentioned on the floor with the kids, is our greatest enemy. Sin is that which keeps our souls from being at peace. C.S. Lewis, a wonderful Christian philosopher and theologian, having lived as an atheist before turning to Christ, wrote in his own biography these words. He said this, For the first time I examined myself with a serious practical purpose, and there I found what appalled me, a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, and a harem of fondled hatreds. This is like all of us. The salvation of God, the Lord Jesus, comes to those like you and I who are sin-ridden and are helpless. Though we try to find peace for ourselves as we battle our sin-driven tendencies, we will never find lasting peace apart from Christ. As one author puts it, true peace comes only when we, like Simeon, understand that salvation is Jesus Christ plus nothing and rest our souls in him alone. Simeon did this. He wasn't ready to die because he thought he had achieved some sort of spiritual status or that he had earned some kind of favor of God. Quite the opposite. Simeon's soul was released and at ease because God's faithfulness to save his people was displayed in the Christ, in Jesus. Simeon had seen the salvation of God. So God's faithfulness was on full display in the child he held there in the temple. And to us, I would say... Simeon seemingly was a godly man. If you want to find peace like Simeon that had that day, please do not look to his devotion as an example. Rather, look at the Savior in his arms, the salvation of God. See, it was the faithfulness of God to him in Jesus that brought him peace. So first, Jesus brings peace. Second, Jesus is God's salvation. The third word we'll look at, or words, is all peoples. He could have just stopped there. Having seen the salvation of God, his soul could rest. But he goes on to say something that is quite profound and utterly unexpected, particularly to those in Israel. This child, the peace-giving salvation of God, is not just a savior for Simeon. He is not just a savior for Israel, many of whom reject him to this day. Rather, Jesus is the salvation of God for every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth who would bend a knee and receive him as the Lord of all creation. This was the song that Simeon sang. God prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation for the Gentiles, 
This is the proclamation that the child in his arms, the salvation of God, was the Savior prepared and offered to the entire world. That word prepared there is significant. It isn't an afterthought. God has prepared before the foundations of the world that all peoples in all nations would find peace with God through the life, the death, and resurrection of this child. Imagine Mary and Joseph that day. I can only imagine the joy that would have been on their faces. Simeon was right in front of them declaring what they already knew. The name that they were told to give this child is Jesus, which means God saves. And there in the temple, Simeon, who was now a prophet, confirmed for all those present that this was the rescuing light to all peoples. For those of us who are here today, who are followers of Christ, this isn't shocking news. The Great Commission from Jesus himself after his resurrection instructs the disciples to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. Listen to the words of Isaiah from chapter 49, verse 6. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. I spent a couple years overseas when I graduated, and the basic sentiment in Eastern countries is that Christmas is a Western holiday. But that's not true. Christmas is a global holiday. The whole globe just doesn't know it yet. That's what Simeon proclaims. Peace will come to the world when with Simeon we bless the Lord and proclaim that the child Jesus lying there in the manger is the salvation of God. It's far too important for this good news to remain just in this church. God declares, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Just a quick note. We don't have a baby Jesus to hold in swaddling cloths and bring to those who heard that they would believe, and honestly that would be very strange if we did. The baby Jesus grew to be a man. That man lived a sinless life. That man died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins. And he was resurrected to new life, conquering sin and death. In John's gospel, we are reminded that the word of God became flesh. We have the full revelation of God in the pages of Scripture. And just as the theme of this song is salvation, so also the theme of the Bible is God's salvation brought to the world through Christ. If we have truly found peace with God through the revelation of Christ in our own life, then I believe it will compel us to proclaim that peace as far as our feet and our voices will travel. How could we not? He is the most important part about us, church. He is our glory. And finally, glory is the last word we'll look at. Simeon's song proclaims that this salvation prepared for all peoples is the glory of Israel. When he raised Jesus up in his arms and he blessed God, he was quite literally displaying the glory of God's people. He was displaying the most wonderful thing about them, the bright and shining light of God's people. And so this morning, Christ community, I remind remind you this Christmas morning, 
that Christ and Christ alone is our glory and nothing else. He is, as I've said now, the most important part about us, church family. He is the most important thing that we have to exalt and to glory in. He is the reason that we gather this morning, the reason that we sing. He is the redeemer of our souls, our perfect sacrifice for sin. He is the very son of God, perfect in every way, without spot and without blemish. He is worthy of every aspect of our lives, and he will, as his word says, one day gather all nations to himself of whom we will be a part to worship him for eternity. And so I ask, is your soul at peace this morning? If I'm honest, there are so many things that I seek to bring myself peace, to settle for momentary feelings of peace when all along the risen Christ invites me to find soul peace with him. And so church, I say to you, as I say to myself, behold your king this morning, the salvation of God and the light of all peoples, our glory. Finally, in our final verses, here's Simeon's parting words to Mary and Joseph, verse 33. It says, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. See, Jesus is the light to the nations, but Jesus also divides the nations and exposes the thoughts of all of our hearts. Simeon here was informing Mary, though not directly, that she would suffer great loss as she watched her son rejected and scorned by men. As we hear the good news of Christ who came as a man to rescue the souls of men, we are left with a choice. Will we bow the knee and worship him, or will we, with apathy or even intentionality, reject him? When we do come to Christ, I assure you, our hearts will be exposed God is not content to leave us idle in our sin. If we do not reject him, if instead we choose to trust him, we can rest assured that he will make us more and more like the image of Christ. That is, in fact, why he came to rescue us, to redeem us, and to call us back into right relationship with him, to make us holy as he is holy and to give us great joy. And so I hope as I close this morning, that we receive this truth. Our souls long for peace. And in the presence of Christ, that peace is found. Just like Simeon, we wait for it. We wait for the second advent when he will return, every tear will be wiped away, and our peace and our joy will be complete in him. Behold Christ. See Christ your Prince of Peace. When we behold Christ, the salvation of God, when we count him the greatest treasure this world has to offer, peace is ours. May this Christmas, Christ community, and our celebration of Christ be a reminder to you to put aside all earthly pleasures that rob your peace and instead behold Christ. Hold him high. Jesus is our glory. Thanks be to God.
Merry Christmas, church family. I'm so grateful to be here with you. I pray that you continue to enjoy time together as friends and family as you celebrate. Let me pray for us. Father, I am so grateful. Christ is our glory. Thank you that you saw fit to step out of heaven to be born in the likeness of sinful flesh. You did not have to, but you chose to because you love us. We give you praise and glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.